0: Welcome to Cases and Controversies, a Supreme Court podcast by Bloomberg Law. I'm Kimberly Robinson. And I'm Greg Store. The justices will take the bench Monday to kick off their March sitting. So last week, we promised we'd preview another case that the justices will be hearing, but... We're not going to do that because we're terrible liars.
1: Actually, I went back and and checked Kimberly. I was the one who said last week that we were going to be considering another case.
0: Okay, so we're not going to do that because Greg is a big liar.
1: Instead, we're going to talk about an issue that's been getting a lot of attention, ethics. And joining us to talk about that is our colleague Lydia Wheeler, who, along with you, Kimberly, has a new story on what you are calling the new era of scrutiny for the justices. Kimberly, now you get to be a guest, and I will, I will do the, the question asking. Uh, Lydia, why don't we start with you? Uh, welcome. Um, wh- what do you mean when you use the term new era?
2: So basically, it means that the justices are being scrutinized uh, for what they're doing on and off the bench in a way that they never have before. Um, So we're talking, you know, in the past, Chief Justice John Marshall attended dinner parties hosted by President John Adams. And Justice William Douglas uh, played poker with President Franklin Roosevelt. And there was Justice Byron Wright, and he went on ski trips with Attorney General Robert Kennedy. But none of those relationships uh, seem to sound any alarms at that time, um, but now it seems like even attending a Christmas party uh, can raise suspicions about a Supreme Court justice's ability to remain uh, impartial when they're on the bench. We saw that in December with Justice Kavanaugh after he was seen at a party hosted by the leader of the conservative political action coalition.
1: So Kimberly, as I suggested at the top, there has been a lot of discussion about Supreme Court ethics lately. Lydia mentioned the the holiday party, but that's kind of just the tip of the iceberg. What are some of the other big issues out there that have been raising concerns?
0: Well, I think to start, I just want to say it's not like the ethics issues are new to the Supreme Court. There have been from time to time, you know, justices who have sort of raised alarm bells. I think one of the most famous examples is Justice Ginsburg, who, you know, came under quite a firestorm for her remarks about then-candidate Trump. Who she called a faker, um, she ended up having to walk that one back, saying her comments were ill-advised. But we do see these these ethics concerns being raised more often now, and sort of in different contexts, as Lydia was saying. So I think most people have probably heard about Justice Thomas's refusal. To recuse from cases dealing with the January 6th attack on the Capitol, despite text messages from his wife, Ginny Thomas, urging the Trump administration to aggressively challenge the outcome of the 2020 presidential election. So that's a really big one that's come up recently. There's also allegations against Justice Alito that emerged after the leak of the Dobbs decision. There was a, a minister who detailed an influence campaign targeting conservative justices to shore up their support for eventually overturning Roe v.ersus Wade, which, of course, we saw happen. And then I think most recently we saw Chief Justice Roberts uh, come under fire for his wife's jobs. She is a legal recruiter, and critics say that. You know, that has the ability to unfairly sway the chief justice towards, you know, firms that she works with. So that's some of the recent stuff that that we've been seeing, which I think is really in contrast to sort of some of the activities that Lydia was talking about, ski trips, poker nights and things like that.
1: Lydia, what I just heard there were a lot of allegations uh, about—complaints about conservative justices. And, of course, those conservative justices have been the ones in the majority in the court's biggest cases recently. Um, What's—is there uh, an element to this uh, where one might say, this is kind of sour grapes? These are uh, complaints that are being pushed by uh, liberal people who are unhappy about the direction of the court.
2: That's definitely what some conservatives are saying, that this is just part of a smear campaign orchestrated by liberals who are unhappy with the court's decisions. Um, they argue that there's an agenda here um, and that it's to create this perception that the court has just become another a partisan political branch of government.
1: Kimberly, some folks might be surprised to hear that there's there's something called the Code of Conduct for U.S. Judges. And it doesn't apply to Supreme Court justices. Tell us a little bit about that.
0: Right. So, uh, since the 1970s, there's been the Code of Conduct that you mentioned that's in place for lower court judges. So, I think trial courts and the circuit courts of appeals, and that's you know intended to do exactly what you would think it would do: provide guidance where there might be some ethical dilemmas. But the code, unlike you know recusal statutes, they do not, as you say, apply to the justices. The Chief Justice has spoken about this before um, in a, what I often talk about, oddly enough, very often is an annual report on the judiciary, where he explains that the code is basically this creation of Congress. And while Congress has explicit authority in the Constitution over those lower courts, the Constitution sets the Supreme Court up as a separate and equal branch of government. So, you know, he says the code really shouldn't be binding or shouldn't apply to the justices. But he says, you know, don't worry. We, the justices, do in fact consult the code, even if we're not formally bound by it. So that's sort of where um, the layout of the land is right now.
1: Lydia, even with that code in place for federal district, federal appeals court judges, there's still some wiggle room since it, 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 the, the code speaks in kind of broad general terms. You spoke with both some current and some former judges. What, what did they tell you about their experiences with the code?
2: That's right. So I chatted with a, um, a former state court judge and also a district court judge in California. And I also spoke with a senior judge on the Seventh Circuit. Um, both said that following the code, you know, wasn't all that hard or really disruptive to their lives. You know, they both kind of admitted that maybe they're overly cautious um, so that they don't give the, imp- the appearance of impropriety. You know, one judge that I spoke with, um, the judge on the Seventh Circuit, Said that her daughter actually interned for Senator Dick Durbin, uh, his campaign, and that, you know, she would go and her daughter was only like 16, and so she would have to go pick her up at the end of, you know, her volunteer session. And she said she parked across the street. You know, she said, I didn't even cross the threshold of the building. Um, you know, she said I definitely didn't attend any of the the, the campaign victory party on election night. She said she just wanted to totally stay away from anything political because that's what the code requires, and she just didn't want any. To even see her there and draw any sort of conclusions.
1: Kimberly, all this has led to increased calls for the Supreme Court justices to adopt their own code of conduct, even that even came recently from the American Bar Association. So why don't they just do that?
0: I don't know, Greg. It seems like a really easy sort of PR win for the justices, especially since I said before that they already consult the code that's you know applicable to lower court judges. I guess there are a few problems. One is a technical problem with a Supreme Court specific code in that who is going to be the one to sort of administer it, right? And sort of make sure that the just, the justices are complying with it. It seems sort of by the, what, the chief justice has laid out that it would have to be the justices themselves and you know if that's the case is it really going to satisfy the public that you know, the justices are on all fours with their ethics who knows i think another concern is that a code could be used strategically sort of exacerbating the problems that lydia talked about with uh, you know sour grapes and a, a smear campaigns but i think you know in the end I, I really don't know why they don't just go ahead and adopt a code uh, a few years ago There was some indication that the court was, you know, sort of on that path. We're considering it. And we've heard that, you know, maybe there's that effort is still afloat. But, you know, the court has been silent as as to any updates on that.
1: Well, undoubtedly, this is an issue that will continue to be in the news and we will be continuing to write about and talk about. Uh, Make sure to check out Lydia and Kimberly's news story on the subject. Um, Lydia Wheeler, thanks very much for joining us.
2: Thanks so much for having me.
0: And thanks for having me, Greg.
1: <laughs> Kimberly, this... Sh-
0: <laughs> it's nice to be on this side.
1: <laughs> and thanks for answer- answering my questions, Kimberly.
0: Okay, Greg, because I am not a liar, we will be back next week to preview a Sixth Amendment case that the justices will hear March 29th, Samia versus United States. I promise this time we will. Until then, you can follow along with all the latest Supreme Court news at news.bloomberglaw.com.
1: Hello, podcast listeners. If you don't already know On the Merits, our weekly podcast devoted to legal and government news, it's a show that features the very best of Bloomberg Law and Bloomberg Government, newsrooms that boast among the largest number of credentialed journalists in DC. When you listen to On the Merits, you'll hear about the groundbreaking developments in the courts, in Congress, and in the alphabet soup of federal agencies that run Washington and our nation. Our show is by and about legal and government policy nerds, and we say that lovingly. It's a nerd's eye view of what professionals in the legal and government space need to know. But you do not have to be a nerd to listen. Check out our show on The Merits and find new episodes wherever you get your podcasts. And you can find our archive of shows at news.bloomberglaw.com podcasts.